Welcome and thank you for joining us for today's webinar, Collaborate, Building Relationships, Advancing Shared Success for a Sustainable Built Environment. My name is Charlotte Brody. I'm the Global Head of Marketing for the Built Environment at BSI, and I'm delighted to be joined by Martin Townsend, our Global Head of Sustainability and the Circular Economy here at BSI. So moving on to today's agenda, this is what we are going to cover. Um, firstly, I'll give you a short overview of BSI, um, who we are and what we do. And then it will be my pleasure to introduce Martin Townsend, and he will then walk us through the art of good collaboration. Then we'll move into our Q&A session. And then finally, we'll share some useful resources for you um, and where to go for further information. Moving on, our purpose is inspiring trust for a more resilient world. We help to shape and guide innovation through improving and standardizing business processes, products and services to enable advancement. We're independent and free from any outside influence as all profit is reinvested back into BSI to help us to continue to support and drive further change. And we are here to help by serving our clients and finding new ways of delivering services to support industry, focused upon enabling organizations to survive, stabilize, rebuild, and be resilient. Moving on. Our objectives. We're dedicated to enabling all who work across the asset life cycle to become more sustainable and resilient, whether you play a role in the design, construction, operation or decommissioning of assets. And we focus on four key areas. Best practice for sustainability, health, safety and well-being, digital transformation and supply chain management and procurement. So moving on, welcome to Martin Townsend. So for those of you who haven't joined us before, in his career to date, Martin has worked as an environmental regulator, advised ministers, worked with city mayors and businesses across the world of all sizes and sectors, ensuring sustainability comes alive and is an enabler of business success. Martin has also been a keynote speaker at many international conferences to ensure that as a global community, we accelerate the rate of change whilst reducing the impact that we have. Martin joined us as Global Head for Sustainability and Circular Economy in November 2019 and sits on several advisory boards for public and private sector organisations to support them in their success. So moving on, I would like to invite you to take part in our first poll. So if you would like to step out of full screen mode, if that's easier, um, we would love to know where you rate your organization's re resilience now, um, with one being not resilient and five being highly resilient. And that's based on the information I gave you about where are you in your journey? Um, are you right at the beginning? Um, trying to make sure that your organisation is fit for the next normal? Or do you have all your plans in place and you are absolutely excelling and moving along in that direction? And whilst I'm waiting for those results to come in, um, just to say that uh, we will be 
um, sharing a copy of today's recording with you uh, and those useful links to some uh, additional services that you might want to share with your colleagues. So I think now I would like to ask for the results to be shared. And we can see that um, most people are in the middle, actually. It's 43% um, are placing themselves at number three. So neither drastically um, not resilient or highly resilient. Um, but it is positive. We do have 30% who are uh, at number four. So you're heading in the direction. And then um, I think it looks like it's an even um, result for third place um, for both organisations saying that they are number two and then another 13% saying that you are uh, at number five. So highly resilient. So thank you very much for taking part in that. It's always great to have a little bit of engagement, first of all. Um, and I would now like to uh, pass over to Martin to comment on those results and uh, to, to start his session. Thank you, Martin. Brilliant. Thank you. Um, thank you, Charlotte. Um, great introduction. Also great to see is also the the distribution now. I think it's almost um, a, a perfect bell curve in terms of how it was um, distributed. I also think, um, if I remember correctly, when we ran that poll, a, poll uh, a number of months ago, that there were less people in the highly resilient sort of space. So I think it's a demonstration that organisations are adapting at the moment based on uh, the situation we find ourselves in, in terms of COVID. So um, uh, that's really good to see. Um, so this is um, my third webinar of the day. Um, I've been in a very fortunate position um, with the previous webinars that I've had a co-conspirator. Um, so the first webinar of the morning at 4.30 when I got up um, was with um, Taiwan. And we talked about collaboration and we talked about what the essence of collaboration was, particularly related to um, uh, digital and driving change around BIM and circularity. Um, there were some interesting reflections there, I think. Um, Dr. Liu, who was uh, with me on that webinar, was saying that one of the key ingredients of change within uh, the APAC market is strong leadership. And my second webinar of the day um, was in EMEA and um, it was an interesting kind of another point of reflection, I suppose, because when I was talking to Siobhan, who was on the webinar with me, um, the conversation really sort of led itself to transparency and openness and continuous improvement. So I suppose my sort of first reflection um, riding solo on this webinar is the fact that although we talk about collaboration, um, it's really interesting when we look across the world, um, it means different things in different markets. Collaboration um, is probably more of a black art than it is a science. And, and what I want to try and do, I suppose, um, in the next um, sort of 35, 40 minutes is to try and understand that a little bit more. Uh, I'm going to take various reflections. I'm going to sort of understand what some of the drivers are. I'm going to try and understand, you know, what are the components of good collaboration. Um, but because I'm, I'm riding solo on this this webinar, as Charlotte said right at the start, don't be afraid to kind of get typing away and drop any questions you've got in the chat box because um, collaboration is all about transparency. It is about talking. It is about understanding. It is about engaging. 
And even though we might think about it differently in different regions of the world, um, I think communication is an essential part of collaboration. So um, feel free to ask questions away. Um, Charlotte mentioned right at the start, um, this is a kind of one in a series, not just of the ones we've done today, but we've run a number of uh, webinars on different topics, um, looking at it from a BSI perspective, looking at some of the market trends, looking at some of the things that will shape our built environment. And for those of you who've joined previous ones, you will always notice that I always start with a quote. When I start to write presentations, I, I always start with thinking about a quote which might summarize what I then want to talk about. And probably better a better fit this time round than any other webinar that we've run. Uh, Henry Ford came up with that quote and um, I kind of like it. I like it a lot because it does embrace what we need to achieve. And if I kind of just think about it at the start, um, when we talk about collaboration, it is about picking the right partners to come together. In any construction project, there will be ups and downs. And I've worked on many construction projects, big and small in my professional career. And the most challenging part of any project, and more so the more partners you have, the more people you're collaborating with, is riding the bad times in that project. When things go wrong and people want to blame somebody else that something's happened because of a failure somewhere in the system. The staying together part of that quote, I think, is the essential ingredient of collaboration. And then working together to achieve success. And, and one of the things I'm sure we're going to cover um, in today's webinar, because we've covered it in the other two, is um, what are the metrics, what are the things that we measure success in when we collaborate in a deep way? So I think Henry Ford, um, many years ago, um, got it right when he started to write down that quote. Um, the other thing I want to kind of, I suppose, um, to kind of break down a little bit is people talk about collaboration, but actually what they mean is sharing. For me, collaboration within a construction project, and I don't think we are there completely when I look at construction projects across the world in terms of collaborative approaches. We might have partnership approaches, but collaboration for me is about common goals. It is about really understanding how a project works and how you can work together to achieve those goals. The flow of communication, the flow of knowledge, the flow of data, the information you share within that project needs to happen constantly. You know, there are many projects that have milestones. In fact, I've stood in many a porter cabbing on a construction site where there is a wonderful works program on the wall. And there are milestones where you are ex uh, expected to communicate or expected to share information. Um, that's not collaboration, that's just milestones in terms of points in time where you share information. And I think we need to bear in mind that many uh, projects are based around sharing in terms of isolation and in terms of siloed information related to an activity. And what we really need to do is um, ensure that we, we get that right. Um, the, other, the other kind of build up, I suppose, before we start to unpack what good collaboration looks like is um, the world is changing. Uh, I've got a few slides on this. Um, it's a slide I've used before, 
but I think it is highly relevant to the conversation we're having today that when we are looking at the transition we're making from the way we have automated um, various parts of our society, the way we now are looking at mass production and the way we look at efficiency, um, it's all about data, it's about data flow, it's about integration. And therefore, you know, um, picking up a point that I've spoken about quite a lot today is that the platforms we select, the way we collaborate, the way we measure things, the way we standardize things is probably more important today than it's ever been before. Because if we collaborate, but we're using different words and different languages and different intents and different understanding of the KPIs, um, things will fail because we're not describing the same thing. We might have uh, a different way of expressing it. And sometimes that's okay. And it comes back to my starting point, I suppose, about different parts of the world view collaborations in different ways. But when we're working together on a single project in a single space, actually that commonality, that understanding becomes important. It's going to become even more important um, as we see sort of AI and uh, machine learning sort of really take hold uh, in the construction industry. Um, my other point of reflection, I suppose, as I start to build up this picture is that um, I'm sure that all of the listeners who are on this call um, are very, very familiar with the UN SDGs. Um, I, I amuse myself um, by looking at how different people draw the UN SDGs in terms of how they represent progress. Uh, see it as circles, you see it as rectangles and squares and many different shapes. I always like to think about it as a journey of collaboration. Um, it doesn't matter the size, the nature of the organization that you are, no single organization is ever going to be able to achieve the goals of the UN SDGs. It is by nature about collaboration. Together, we can start to really understand how we can um, uh, impact in a positive way, sort of, you know, water quality, life below water. We need to kind of work together in terms of making sure that we create sustainable communities, we think about sustainable cities, you know, and in that, it's about, you know, thinking about transport planning. It's maybe applying blockchain to the planning process for greater transparency and greater certainty. There are a lot of moving parts in what we're trying to achieve as professionals. But the cornerstone for me, and that's why I always draw it as a map and you can add the different uh, UN SDGs across it as you wish. But for me, it's a process of collaboration to achieve those goals. And it's the process of aggregation to achieve those goals. And, and um, a point which I think is worthwhile just dwelling on for a moment, BSI has always kind of been in this space. Um, many years ago, back in 2006, uh, we wrote the first PAS on collaborative working. Um, PAS is a publicly available standard. And over time, that has now been converted into a British standard. And now it's a ISO standard, because I suppose um, as an organization that sees best practice as it, at its heart, um, you only really achieve that if you understand the power of collaboration. And I suppose the essence of what we do at BSI in many respects is about collaboration with all our partners. And we are, as Charlotte said at the introduction, quite a, an interesting organization because when we create our committees, sometimes we create our committees 
with sometimes our competitors, people who provide the same services that we do, because we see that that transparency, that role of collaboration is fundamental to success. It isn't about hiding behind um, the role of a national standards body. It is about making sure that we open the doors and we allow everybody to participate in the standards we create. It's about gathering that knowledge of best practice to make sure that we drive change in the best possible way using the best possible intelligence from our stakeholders. And, and in this um, process of me still unpacking, I suppose, some of the, the thoughts around collaboration, I also wanted to take a moment to reflect the component parts as well, because when we talk about collaboration, it has probably the internal dimension and the external dimension. And so when we start to think about um, how organisations work, what they represent in today's society, it is about um, the social capital. It is about your shareholders, your stakeholders, and how you can ensure that you are delighting them. So you want to collaborate with your community that you work within, you impact upon the people that are funding you or are influencing your decisions. It is about your staff. It is about the human capital. It is about making sure that um, that collaboration is about the internal talents you've got within your business in making sure they're diverse, they're capable in terms of the skills they need for the future. And we'll, we'll come on that a little bit later on as well. It is about appreciating that any business anywhere in the world relies on resources and those resources basically need to be treated in a um, in a sensitive way so that kind of you're collaborating with a silent partner with the environment because you need to have regard for it and then on the on the top line it is about understanding your your products your uh, your services your assets and how you kind of make sure that you're using the best um, assets and the best collaboration with your IT partners or your landlords you know or other peoples in those facilities and equally your financial health, how you work with your investors, your venture capitalists, to make sure that you're driving that change, I think are fundamentally important for success. So I just wanted to kind of to share that collaboration has many, many different layers and many different themes to it, I suppose, in terms of helping us understand when we talk about collaboration, it isn't just uh, a partner you pick for a construction project. It is about the organization that you are, the vision, the values that you have, and how you really make that um, come alive. Um, and in that process, when we continue to take this, this big view of why it's important, um, I was kind of dropping down onto the slide, um, what are the challenges we're facing? What are the challenges we really need to get our heads around when it comes to this sort of issue of why collaboration is so important? And when you start to think about the big issues, such as uh, demographic changes, aging populations, how do we make sure that when we build our built environment, we are being sensitive to an aging population and how different services and different needs are need to be built into um, our, our built environment. How do we think about mass urbanization? How do we understand in that process about transport planning? How do we make sure that we see 
um, a city um, as a living, breathing uh, um, process? And how do we make sure that we are collaborating to connect things together? And there's some, some interesting reflections, I suppose, from uh, the webinar um, this morning when we were talking about you know, trying to kind of map those things through our cities and making sure that when we make a decision, we understand the impact of that decision. Um, in that same kind of sort of group at the top, um, we need to collaborate with a range of different partners in terms of technology integration, for instance. So if we are seeing the future um, around um, more digital for our built environment, and I really do believe that is the direction we're heading rapidly, you know, we need to kind of have that common understanding of what that technology is doing, how it's going to help us um, move around our built environment, how it's going to make sure that we change our business models. Um, you know, I, I love the concept around product to service to experience economy. So that if we um, are thinking about how we're going to improve our urban environment, our built assets, we need to think about the experience economy we are providing for people that are going to use it. And in that process, it's about being more efficient. The, the built environment, the construction sector, um, runs on very low margins as a, as a project overall. We have seen some um, very big changes um, in construction companies because sometimes it only takes one bad project uh, to break a company. And actually what we need to think about is how can we be more effective, more efficient and use the technology and use the skills of the whole project team uh, to be effective in, in how we do that. And then the, the bottom part of, of that um, series of bullet points, I suppose, are what we're trying to achieve. And I've touched upon some of those already, but it is now about more integration, more integrated ways of working. Um, between different parts of a project, um, between different life cycles of an asset um, are fundamental to the success of the built environment. And in that process, we need to innovate quicker. I'm, I'm seeing more innovation than I've ever seen before in the built environment. But when you compare ourselves to some of the other industries, um, the built environment is doing well, it's getting quicker in terms of those innovation cycles. but there's a cautiousness sometimes in the, in the construction industry, which you don't always see in other sectors. So we, we, we've got a lot to learn. And I think that point of reflection is also important that we need to make sure that we are open-minded uh, in terms of the people that we recruit, the talents that we attract to the built environment to facilitate, to facilitate quicker uh, innovation cycles. Um, much of this is about how do we manage risk manage risk in terms of uh, our built environment. Um, the one thing that COVID is telling us and, and teaching us, I suppose, at the moment is our built environment will change. Um, I'm not sure where all the, the listeners are today in terms of which cities in the world they represent, but uh, if I take a reflection from a European perspective, um, we're seeing um, lots of companies now starting to think about how big a real estate um, do they need for their uh, teams to work effectively? Uh, now the technology has been tested and applied and successfully deployed in terms of working from home, more flexible remote working, 
Um, what does that mean in terms of you know our real estate? And what does that mean in terms of the design of our real estate in the future? Because if we don't get it right, if we don't make it adaptable, if we can't see it to have many different purposes throughout its life, um, that is going to be a high cost and it will become redundant. Um, and in one of the webinars I, I ran quite recently um, on the future of food, we were talking about um, will many parts of our urban uh, environment start to become hydroponics vertical farming. So we start to think about uh, the need for food in our urban areas and going back to that top part of the graph in terms of mass urbanization will be a mega trend which we're going to see. Will hydroponic buildings and vertical farms in our cities actually take the space of some of the commercial buildings that were once occupied but people are now working remotely? You know, those are futures or those are opportunities or those are things that we need to start to get our mind around. And that's why I think that last bullet point in terms of reduced costs, new business models, I think is so, so important. Um, and just to kind of um, make that point, I suppose, um, this is um, a slightly mad slide. Um, uh, when I showed it to someone the other day, they said it looked very much like Gotham City um, in terms of its darkness. Um, it's not intended to be. It's intended to kind of really just show how much is going on across the world when we start to talk about integration and collaboration, when we start to talk about digital construction, when we start to talk about efficiency of design, when we start to talk about um, uh, a building might be designed on a computer and then the data transmitted to a manufacturing unit where it's manufactured in a factory and then lifted uh, component or completed onto site. Because you are not making it up on a construction site and you are adjusting the shuttering or you are tweaking the design as the different components come onto site because it's factory built. That art of collaboration, that art of making sure that you get it right, because if you have a large factory built module that you bring onto site that has been badly specified or has changed um, in the factory or, or the concrete slabs dimension has changed when it was poured. If you don't get that collaboration, if you don't get that data sharing right, uh, the cost of failure becomes quite significant. So I just wanted to kind of just, you know, um, not show you Gotham City, but kind of just reinforce the point that our built environment landscape now is very data rich. It is um, a space where standardization, collaboration and technology is um, driving change. And we need to be very aware of what the risks are associated with that. Um, this is a diagram which I'm pretty sure that every single person on the, uh, the call has seen in, in various different descriptions and very different designs. Um, I'm not going to really spend too much time talking it through because um, I know most of you will, will know it, but there's, there's a couple of things that I really wanted just to kind of um, touch upon. When you start to talk about um, um, BIM, when you start to talk about um, common data models, the essence of it is really about enabling collaboration. If we are going to ensure that we are looking at the whole life cycle management of a building and we are going to do it effectively and we are going to do it efficiently, come back to that point about ensuring that we really drive change for the built environment. 
we need to make sure we do it in a collaborative process, even if that process means that we're no longer in that environment. So we may have constructed the building, we may have created a digital twin, we need to make sure that whoever then owns that digital twin, who owns that data, fully understands what its use is so that we can use it to remodel a building when we start to refurbish it. We can use that data to kind of really understand its risks in terms of future regulations. That collaboration is, is, uh, is essential if we're going to make the most use of our sort of level three um, data. And now, um, this isn't one of um, Charlotte's polls, because this isn't an inkblot test where I find the psychology of the individuals of the people listening to me. Um, I thought this was a really clever thing um, done by UCL um, uh, a number of years ago now, but nevertheless, uh, I think it's highly important in terms of this conversation. Uh, when you look at those um, shapes in front of you, uh, I'm not asking you in terms of what you might see. Um, I'm asking you what sectors do they represent? Um, and what this research did incredibly well, incredibly skillfully, is it looked at the um, the data flow, the knowledge, the information flow uh, across different sectors. And, and I, I put this on the screen because um, in this kind of conversation so far, it has been very positive. It has been about, you know, collaboration is key, data flow is key. But I just wanted to kind of make a point, I suppose, that um, we are not that good in the construction industry in doing what I've been talking about so far. When we look at other sectors, when we look at finance, if we look at software and media sectors that we may not work in, but we surely understand, flow of information, flow of data, collaborative processes are much more um, prevalent than they are in the construction industry. Um, it would be interesting um, to see if this um, research was run again, how that is changing, because I know, um, because I kind of have worked in the built environment for many, many years, that it is in the process of rapid change. But I suppose what this diagram says to me, or these series of um, ink blots says to me, is that we have a long way to go. You know, we have a long way to make sure that we are being effective in terms of our communication. And this is all part of a journey of, of, of improvement, I suppose. Um, I believe that where we are um, has been facilitated, supported across the world by individual leadership. So there have been strong-minded CEOs and chairmen and boards who have driven change within the built environment. Where we are today is this issue about we see uh, collaboration as a way of improving business performance on a route, on a destiny to making sure that we not only improve the way we work, we're not only improving how business performs, we're also making sure that we are creating positive social environmental outcomes. So going back to those UN SDGs, which I think many of us recognize, this is part of a journey of improvement. And actually, if we are going to make a change happen, if we are really going to ensure that we are successful as businesses and we are basically contributing positive to society, that we need to make sure that what we're talking about here is embedded in businesses and not sort of dependent on one or two individuals um, in a company. That brings us 
um, a pause for me in terms of talking, a chance to sip a cup of tea while we have, I think, our next poll. We do. Thank you, Martin. Um, and we would now love for your thoughts on what you think makes for good collaboration. So we have four choices for you. Uh, common goals, um, the right partners, the right contracts or the right culture. So looking forward to um, seeing what people select. Um, we always like to make it tricky because uh, I'm sure lots of people would like to tick everything. Um, but common goals, right partners, right contracts or right culture. Um, and I love your inkblot tests, um, Martin. I think it's just so brilliant to see um, what we mean by collaboration in a visual form. Um, I think it would be very interesting to see what that looked like if we were to run a some kind of analysis on how all of those um, industries may have moved and changed. So thank you for that. Um, so I think if we can just share those results, if they could be launched. Okay. Ooh. Wow, so, that's a good answer, isn't it? <laughs> yes, the right culture is that the one? That's the uh, that's the top answer. And and do you know what? I th I think uh, our listeners have seen through my very thin guise of it's if you can regulate, if you can put the right contracts in place, um, it will all be fine. And I I love the fact that absolutely nobody has selected that one, um, which is great, great to see. And I I kind of. Do you know that that is the perfect answer for me. I, I kind of like that balance, so that that's 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 great. So what I'm I'm going to do next, um, hopefully technology is on my side here, um, is I want to kind of now um, unpack this a little bit, I suppose. Um, so you've have, have ably the the listener here has very ably kind of set down what they see to be the issues. Um, I wanted to kind of just share with you this diagram in terms of what is the art of good collaboration. Um, and I think it's got a number of components um, for success. And I know probably people have joined this webinar, hopefully people have joined this webinar to kind of understand what those components are. Um, so I thought what I, I would do now for the, the next few minutes or so is to try and um, understand that. What, what do I think we need to do um, within our businesses, within um, the built environment to make this come alive, I suppose. So um, the first thing for me is that if we are going to be successful um, when it comes to the, the process of collaboration, and I suppose this comes back to the difference between sharing and collaborating, is the fact that we need to make sure we have the same vision and values and it's about making sure that when we start a construction project that everybody who's involved understands the values of the process, the vision of what's trying to be achieved. And there are many good analogies that I could share, but the one that I suppose, because I, I was involved in a small way uh, in the 2012 um, Olympics in London, is that everybody knew that they were looking to build a number of venues um, to, um, achieve the Olympics on a set date in time. So the date of the Olympics was set, the design of the buildings and what and how they need to be constructed was set, 
and everybody involved in that process in that project were playing to the same goals and when you walked around that construction site and you spoke to anybody it doesn't matter if they work in the velodrome if they were working in the aquatic center or in the main arena they all knew what they were trying to achieve because it was that common purpose and in that process it's about reinforcing those goals and i think um it's about the leadership position in that the communication of that uh, the honesty in those vision and values um i've worked in a number of organizations probably many of you have and actually sometimes if you don't have that transparency if you don't have that honesty um, at the start of the process in terms of what you're achieving and how you're doing against those goals and what you need to do differently if things aren't working well then i think um, those vision and values don't really sort of become part of the lifeblood of an organization so that's that's very much about the awareness about the organization awareness or the partnership awareness that you've created to to drive a particular project um, in that you need to make sure that everybody is clear and understands what the implementation is and it comes back to uh, my very first slide or one of my very first slides um, which is the difference between collaboration um, and, and you know if we're not careful and we see sharing and collaboration to be the one and the same thing if we can't allow people at the bottom to kind of share their knowledge and to share their concerns um, then the project will fail and I was having a, a, an interesting conversation this week um, about how you can create virtual PMOs so if you're an organization that has embracing this remote working embracing collaboration can you create um, uh, PMOs that basically are more virtual which allow more people to contribute and you know if you've got a large construction project and you know somebody is starting to see the first signs of things going wrong in a project um, they should be able to contribute to senior level indicators to say you know i'm working on a concrete pour on a bridge deck and everything's arriving late and is badly planned that's a symbolism of something going wrong somewhere in this process we need to address it and i think that transparency that implementation that understanding i think is fundamental um in 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 a process of change in a process of collaborating on a project people and skills are fundamental and i think what we need to understand is that the skill sets we need for people to collaborate are very different from um, other construction projects where they're not um, focused on collaboration so you might want to recruit people on the basis of uh, a particular mindset in terms of that willingness to collaborate and this comes back to something else on, on the circle which we'll come to in a few minutes I suppose which is as well as defining those skills and that maturity and recruiting on the basis of those skills and maturity of collaborative working you also need to monitor those because if you're not monitoring and you're not reinforcing um, the art of good collaboration then things will deteriorate as well and so that capability and that role and understanding what partners you select i think is important and one of the uh, debates we had i can't remember which session it was now um, was about making sure that your partner selection is fundamental part of the process um, you know coming back to this issue where we were talking a few moments ago that we're very wedded 
to this issue about price. We're very wedded to this issue about, you know, driving the project to achieve milestones on time so that that price and time and, and sort of quality kind of triangle. But we need to make sure that we're picking the right organizations to make that happen. And in that process as well, we need to ensure that we're thinking about good governance. That process of transparency and, and defining our systems to make sure we're collecting the right information in the right way. So if you go back to that first um, slide or that second slide in, constant communication to make sure that we're picking up and understanding what is working well in a project uh, is fundamental. Um, and then something which I think is also crucial, I think, in terms of success is um, collaboration doesn't happen overnight. You might have achieved and ticked all the boxes in the first half of that circle, but you need honesty. You need that process of continuous improvement to make sure that you can honestly reflect to say, can we do better? And, and uh, I used an example um, this morning, which I'll use again, I suppose, is I remember working on a construction project and we were looking at the various invoices in terms of how we were doing in terms of project spend. And we, we were horrified when we were looking at those invoices in terms of how much waste was going on in the construction project. And, you know, we could just pick different suppliers and we could you know change our margins in different ways but the project decided that no that wasn't the right thing to do we just needed to get on top of the unacceptable wastage on this commercial building we were constructing and we started to kind of bring in practices where we were segregating out the waste we were making sure that offcuts of timber were being used for shuttering and and various other processes to demonstrate to everybody on the site that we could do better because we'd looked at the information we'd understand how that project was going and we needed to do better than we were at the moment and as a result of that we ended up uh, changing suppliers who were willing to take materials back we were changing our products sorry our project cycle so that uh, materials were bringing being brought onto site at the right phase rather than sort of being contaminated we were doing all things differently because it was about continuous improvement um, and the other thing to play out here is um, that process of continuous improvement should not be contained to an individual project. There's some great examples now across the construction industry that once you understand what good look, looks like, you take that knowledge and you share it with the next project that is being constructed to say, don't start here, start here, because we found out that if we do it this way, actually this happens whereas we don't want you to make the same mistake we want you to be better than we were when we started so that process of continuous improvement is also about passing the challenge on to the next project um, and I've mentioned already I think in this, this conversation is that um, like any good relationship um, the art of collaboration is about staying together it is very easy in a project uh, for things to go wrong and as a consequence of things going wrong you then um, give up um, like any relationship you don't you try harder you have those difficult conversations and they are difficult in construction projects where things have gone wrong and people want to point the finger of blame we need to share the risks we need to share the rewards to make sure we get it right and then the last part of my circle um, 
is about what does um, the exit strategy look like? So you might work on a project with your partner uh, in terms of making sure that you deliver a, a great new built environment asset, but that partnership might end at the end of that project. So you need to celebrate, you need to understand, but then you need to disengage. Um, that is sort of said quite lightly, but actually, you know, one of the great questions that came up this morning is, if you start to look at the pitfalls, if you look at start of uh, what might that mean, is that if you've got the project right, and you're innovating and you're driving change and you've created new ideas and new IP, when you disengage, when you exit the process, who owns those good ideas? Who has the, the right to use them on the next project? So some of those things can become difficult, but you need to plan for it rather than assume. So uh, that was my my circle in terms of art of great collaboration. Um, and there are many different kind of reflections within that kind of circle, I suppose, in terms of what you can and can't do differently. Oops. And then uh, that brings me to, um, I think it's my last slide actually, which I think I'm just about on time when it comes to um, the webinar timing. Um, the, the last thing that I wanted to kind of share with you, I suppose, um, is I've talked about a journey several times today because I think it's right that we should never feel that we're good at what we do, that we always wanted to improve. And so um, I just wanted to kind of finish on this slide because I think it ties in nicely with where I started, which is when we are thinking about our built environment, when we're thinking about collaboration, we need to work with our partners to kind of move ourselves up the chain of maturity. So many construction projects, you know, are thinking about, it's about compliance, it's about making sure that we manage the risk and we start to create some value. For me, we really need to make sure that when we look at the construction industry, that we are really driving change by that leadership. And I go back to one of my earlier diagrams, that leadership isn't just about an individual. It's about us all as uh, professionals in the construction industry, working together to extend our positive impact, thinking about our different, different operational models, about innovating and sharing and collaborating and making the industry a really exciting place to work because you know if you go back to one of my slides which was about that digital landscape the gotham city slide i suppose um, as it might be called now um, it is about making sure that we attract different people into the industry to help us improve we might attract different talent today than we have before, but that will only happen if the industry really is leading and changing an exciting place to be. So that I think is my last slide, it is. And I think that's where I um, pass back to Charlotte and ask if anybody has come forward with any good questions to, to ask us. Thank you, Martin. Yes, we've we've had some observations really um, that have come in. So uh, I'd like to share those with you. We had a very um, interesting point from um, someone called John, who talks about um, referencing ISO 44001 um, on the great art of collaboration, um, because 
it does reference the key stages and I thought actually that's a very good point to um, for you to uh, to comment on really yeah. um, just how it links into the standard it, there, there, there is I mean that circle that I put up on the screen I think um, is taken or the essence of it is taken from the standard um, I'm I'm a great believer in um, in the standard if I'm honest I think that you know the work that we did at the start when it was created and also um, the work that ISO have done since and the work that various organizations across the world have done in terms of making it come alive um, I think is is a, is a great demonstration of how you need to think about the various different phases within the standard um, I'm, I'm a firm believer in, in sort of the UK, um, the Institute of Collaborative Working, who work on major projects. Um, every time I talk to them, you know, there's another good example that they use where they are collaborating, where they are working across the industry, across sectors to share knowledge and best practice. So, yeah, John is, 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 is spot on that um, quite a lot of what I've talked about or some of the content I've talked about maps back to the standard so for the listeners that haven't seen the standard or read the standard um i i highly recommend it to you um and this is where charlotte you're going to correct me if i'm wrong or not but um i think in some of the information we have we have a bit of a briefing note which we can send out to people um because i think that when you're starting on this journey of collaboration actually um not starting with that sort of that mythical blank piece of paper um, because it can be a daunting place um, is so important and, and in essence standards are about helping you to improve um, if you look at the standards making process um, particularly the work that BSI does you know we will get people locked in a room and I you know, really kind of do mean locked in the room sometimes and we will fight it out in terms of what is good and what is normal and what is regulatory practice across the world and what is best practice and what is kind of you know the leading edge thinking in that space and and that's why you know I'm really passionate about the work we do at BSI because it's a very it's a very good place to be when actually your business model is helping people to improve by taking other people's knowledge and sharing it and then the added ingredient we add to that process is we quite simply help people demonstrate they are doing what they say um, I have a, a major frustration I suppose sometimes is that lots of people um, and it's probably less the day than it's been I suppose is that lots of people will say they're doing the right thing but it's only when you're certified it's only when you've been through a process of independent audit and you can demonstrate that you are do your shareholders your stakeholders sometimes you know acknowledge that there are too many uh, good examples in our history I suppose where people have said one thing and done something else so I, I believe that the the perfect combination of a, a good standard and also um, a good audit process will drive the market to improve so I suppose um, pick up on John's comment have a look at the standard if you haven't read it already Thank you. And um, we've also had a comment about ISO 44002, which is the guide to implementing the standard. 
So that's another thing for people to think about as well. So thank you, John, for that. We've got um, a very well-informed audience on this, indeed, on this we webinar. Which is wonderful, yes. I mean, it is all, all about sharing and, well, more than sharing, it is about collaboration, isn't it? So, yeah. Well, um, I, I, lo I love that in some respects, that people have joined this webinar when they actually know the standards and they know the process, they still join to, to learn more. And that, in some respects, is a good demonstration of the the mindset of people, I suppose, on this call, that they're kind of wanting to collaborate, they wanting to share, they want to help people improve. Absolutely, which is what it's all about, really. Exactly so. Um, another question from a different, a different John, okay. um, who asked about, um, on the art of great collaboration chart so we've had a lot of interest in in that um, is uh, he has said that they he or his organization invested in training alongside the selection of personnel to help their joint aim so I suppose that's uh, the two perhaps go hand in hand if you're obviously trying to find the right fit um, yeah. but also if people are, are maybe not the right fit but perhaps need additional support then um, training is a, an yeah. option it, it is and I, I think there's a there's a, a kind of a something worth adding to this conversation isn't it when we spoke in our second webinar with Siobhan from Costain um, today um, she mentioned that uh, her professional background wasn't in construction wasn't in engineering but she's leading the Costain charge on sustainability and carbon management and she does that very ably, um, as demonstrated from all the things she said, because she can challenge, she can feel confident that the company that she's working in is open to being challenged about why, have we, why are we doing it this way? Can we do better? And it kind of plays to that point, doesn't it? Um, the skills that we need in the future may not be the skills that we have um, in the industry to date. And that ability to adapt and change, I think, is so important. Um, I was talking to one of the professors um, at the university that I went to uh, recently. Um, we were discussing um, when you look at civil engineers and the skill sets they needed um, 10, 20 years ago, it was very much about understanding formulas and, and being able to do calculations and, and actually kind of understanding where to go. Now, um, some of the skills are very different. It is about some of the softer skills of negotiation. It is about, you know, the art of collaboration, you know, you know, and professors at universities are starting to realize that if you want to bring somebody into the marketplace where they are um, marketable as a as a student going on to their sort of future career, the skills that some of us may have actually started off with in our professional career are very different from the skill set that some students are leaving university with. And it's not just civil engineering, I had the same conversation with a planning professor and it was almost identical that, you know, you used to need to know the planning act backwards and forwards. Um, and now effectively, if you are a local authority planner, the art of negotiating the best settlement for a site might be more important than knowing what clause of the planning act you need to refer to when you apply the condition. So I think that flexibility, that adaptability, that ability to move your knowledge and skills and actually do it successfully, I think is essential. So really good question, I suppose. 
Thank you. Um, and I think we haven't particularly in the in the observation so far, although we have talked about training, um, is um, the we had a question sent in in advance. Um, what are the key lessons to ensure that the behaviours which are critical to effective collaborative working um, are part of the partner selection process? We've covered that bit, but what mm. is essential for an organisation for maintaining and improving them through the life of the project? So going beyond, I suppose, the construction phase as you go into operation. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I are good questions today. Um, I, I think this there's two elements here, isn't it? Um, one is about continuous improvement, the value creation, I think I called it on that circle. How do we ensure that as the project moves forward, we're constantly reflecting, we're constantly understanding what good looks like, and we need to challenge ourselves that um, good can actually constantly change and improve. Uh, I use that example about construction waste on the site I was working on. Um, I'll give you another example just to kind of show a bit of diversity, but it's an example I used, I think, in one of our, our webinars today. Um, I was involved in looking at a flood defence scheme many years ago. Um, and as the client for that flood defence scheme, uh, the basic goal was to provide a flood defence level to a set a statistical return period to protect properties. Um, that was the client brief. What was fascinating to see is through the life of that project, the design team, the construction team constantly came back to me, the client, and kept on saying, do you know what we can do better? You know, your project brief was about just providing a level of flood protection. But actually, if we don't design this as a concrete wall, we design it as a landscaped uh, clay bund, and we uh, sensitively plant out that bund, we've created biodiversity. If we put a path next to that bund, we've created recreational space. And actually, you know, when we think about value creation and we think about good design and we think about the project goals, so that first box in terms of vision values and sort of leadership, I suppose, it is about being open to the fact that projects can improve through their design, their operation. And equally is true when you start to think about that asset life. As a building moves through its asset life, you need to be open-minded in terms of how the different people involved in the project can start to understand and think about how you can improve that building, how you can improve that asset. If I look at some of the buildings um, which have been around for 30, 40, 50 years, um, their designs are quite rigid, but actually some of the design teams that have refurbished them have done some great stuff in terms of creating modern open spaces to allow us to change our working practices. And so I think that value creation, understanding how you need to break down some of the barriers and the rules sometimes to make sure that you are wowing the client, delivering maximum value and maximum return, I think is so important. That feels like a very long answer to a short question. <laughs> well, thank you. Good to have the detail always <laughs> and lots of things for people to uh, to think about there. And I think um, I do have more questions, but I'm going to ask you one last one, if that's OK. Uh, and then we'll just close today's session. But um, 
it's a question on performance, um, on how you measure your performance on sustainability um, and and collaboration. What um, what values should you be thinking about from the outset? Um, any any examples there? You saved the killer question to the last, haven't you? Um, I I the, the value thing is important. It builds quite nicely on my last comment, I suppose, is that. I think you need to understand what KPIs you're measuring your project on. I think some of those are important um, in terms of your carbon impact, your, you know, your waste generation, how you make sure that you're achieving that, if not exceeding that. But actually, um, the best metric of uh, collaboration is pride. And if I if I look at projects I've been involved in, good and bad, because you know I don't want to give the impression I've ever only ever worked on good projects. The thing that differentiates collaborative working and um, the built environment where projects have really really succeeded is pride in what you've achieved. And there's one project I I remember in particular. Uh, it was um, an airfield. And we constructed lots of air structures on this uh, on this airfield, and we laid a brand new runway, which is no small undertaking. Um, and I remember standing on the end of the runway uh, with the resident engineer and some of the construction team, watching the first plane take off on that runway. And you looked at everybody's face, and there was just nothing but pride in their eyes. That is success and collaboration. What a wonderful way to uh, to finish today's session. Thank you for that. I love that. I've got an image in my mind of uh, just that sense of achievement, really. So thank you. Um, I will now ask for the poll to be closed. Um, and really, all that remains moving on is uh, to share a few useful links with our audience. So thank you, everybody, for listening in. Um, we have uh, some useful information about um, ISO 44001 that we mentioned earlier. Um, circular economy, which is BS 8001, um, some really good insight, uh, some useful resources and executive briefing. And we do have a blog on the topic as well. So when you receive a copy of our recording, there will be links in the email. Um, to point you to these other resources as well. And then finally, BIM, um, Building Information Modelling, ISO 19650. Obviously, that can't exist without collaboration sitting at its heart. Um, so again, something for you to consider um, that we uh, can also help you uh, as you are on that journey as well. So all that remains for me now is to um, thank you, Martin, for um, taking the time to go through collaboration and the the great art of collaboration, that wonderful wheel that we had a little bit of debate and, dis and observations on. Um, and thank you very much to our audience for taking part in our polls, um, for joining us for your questions. And uh, we do hope that you can join us for further webinars and events in 2021. Thank you. Thank you.